Welcome to the OA Light a Candles meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Adam. Hi, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Adam. Susan, thank you so much for asking me to be of service, and um, I don't get to this meeting usually. Grateful to be here. Um, on November 30th, uh, I took a candle in Overeaters Anonymous for 16 years, and I am maintaining a healthy body weight. Um, my top weight is over 300 pounds. And I think I'm down somewhere between 130 and 135 pounds and have been for a long time now. And uh, so grateful. This is the gift. Um, that's one of the many gifts of this program that I have is that I get to walk around um, uh, in a very radically different experience of life uh, than I had when I was uh, in the disease, walking around uh, distorted both in thought and in size, um, extremely distorted, and that's part of the story. The distortion of my body also re- reflected the distortion in my head, um, and there was a lot of distortion. So, you know, I'm just going to sort of say what, you know, just speak from the heart, um, kind of what I heard in the mission statement. Um, I don't know if the guy who, the guy from 16 years ago would last about five minutes in my life today. And uh, he'd be out at the alarm clock. You know, that would be the end of him. (laughs) The end of him would be when I get up, the first thing I do is meditate, and that's where um, that guy would be done. If he got through the meditation, um, he might run at the writing. If he got through the writing, um, he certainly wouldn't want to go to a meeting, and he certainly wouldn't want to go to show up at work. If he did show up at work, he wouldn't show up honorably. And uh, it would just be very hard for the me of then to do the me of today. And, um, you know, the guy from 16 years ago was super, in, in his own way, super confident in his position, which is crazy, right? So, so if you would have spoke to me 16 to 20 years ago, I had a lot of conviction about what I thought was good for me and what I thought was right, and I didn't have a lot of data to support that. Um, I was thinking about it before, you know, as I was coming over here and, and, uh, you know, kind of what supported my disease. How did I stay in the disease all those years? I stayed in the disease um, till I got here. Um, I I got abstinent sober with food. I'm sober. Um, I haven't had a drink also um, for all these years. And that was my um, my first sincere abstinence. I had come, I dabbled with OA a few meetings before that, um, before the, in years before. So how did, you know, how did I sustain that? How did I sustain that? It was so much work to be in the disease, um, the way I did it. And I was thinking, I kind of just did whatever I wanted, you know, because I did it because I wanted to. You know, everything is, I want to and I want it now. And um, because I can, and I want to, and I don't care. And because and I just think that just keeps coming to mind. My, my, my disease's mantra is because I want to, because I want to now. And um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't, 
I wanted the rewards of life. I really did. I, I wanted to be well-received by others. I wanted to see myself as a success. I wanted to be good at what I do. I wanted to be um, liked. I wanted a lot of things. But I so much... I wanted what I wanted now so much <laughs> that all that other stuff, you know, it was just going to come because that's just... And, and if it didn't come, I was furious. Just, you know, brimming over with resentment at all of the world who isn't giving me the recognition that I wish I had, that I don't give myself, and, and that I wish I had. I mean, I really wished I was a guy who was trustworthy. I really wished I, I could be received, I, I would have been received as a person you could um, look up to. I really wished I was seen as a person who was attractive. I, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted those things, but I didn't deserve them. I didn't deserve them remotely because I was because I had the mantra of I do what I want when I want. <laughs> you know that was my diseases mantra. <laughs> you know, and um, so it's I learned early on that um, I want to eat. I just want to eat because it's really really felt good. It really felt good to eat what I wanted when I wanted. And um, I, I had lunch today with um, uh, two families, and they had there were two four year olds there. And they remind us that's what they were like. You know, they just did whatever they want. <laughs> you know, and their parents would say, you know, you have to sit down, you have to do those things. And it was a battle. They were battling them to do, you know, it was their will, the parents' will versus the kids' will. And the kids were frustrated. And ultimately, it took a little work. They, they had to submit to the parents saying it's time to go or it's time to sit and all these things. And, and I, I thought that way from, from the gate of, I, you know, I want to do what I want to do. So I really wanted to eat. And, I, and this disease, this particular disease, for me, started early because I really, really wanted the experience of eating. So I came from a pretty big family, and um, I was third of six. Um, I don't even, I don't who cares about my story, really? I mean, it doesn't even matter. Meaning, okay, you know, I had some tough times, you know, but I, my, I was, when I was five years old, my mom had didn't realize she was carrying twins and and I had premature my she she was she was carrying twins I had my brothers were born prematurely one of them you know I, I woke up in the middle of the night she was gone and and uh, one of them uh, you know is developmentally disabled and 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 you know she my mom kind of checked out it was really really big deal back then you know 40 years ago to have in our community to have a kid with developmental disability very very hard on my family and okay, so that that's that's a I guess that's a reason to eat, you know, like it was bad. But no matter what I say about you know kind of what it was like, it never adds up to I get to kill myself, <laughs> right? Nothing about the what it was like um, justifies you know justifies the story of addiction. And and in a, in my addictive space, I I want to be able to say, of course you would do that. If you were me, wouldn't you do that? And the answer is no. You know, in my recovered state, I wouldn't do what I would do just because I just because I have one problem doesn't mean I add 14 more, <laughs> right? So, in, but in my addictive head, I'm trying to think about what's it like to be, 
you know, in addiction. I thought, of course I could do this. So, you know, it was tough. And um, my older siblings, I had two older sisters, and they were so good at school. So they were tough, some tough sh- shoes to fill, and I really wanted to be smart, but I didn't want to do the work. And um, so, so, you know, I, I, I really didn't like And it's really hard to just sit down and do homework, you know. It's just really hard to, to do the work, you know, and just, like, deal with the fact that you don't get it. And I, if it didn't come easy, it was really, really frustrating for me when I had to work for anything, I, you know. The way I wanted it is I wanted things to be so natural and easy. I don't like exertion. <laughs> I don't like exertion. I don't like working. I don't even like working out now. I know some people do. I don't, I don't like to push myself so hard. The, I mean, it, at work, I, I'm willing to work hard, but I, I don't like the feeling of mental exertion and physical exertion too much. Um, you know, I can do it in, like, little bursts, but I don't like sustained effort. And so when things didn't come sort of easy to me, I got frustrated and I got the, you know, I'm not going to do it, you know, and, and and it'll all work out sort of thing. That's the disease, by the way. It'll all work out. I'll deal with it later. Very disease, right? I don't have to deal with this now. Very disease. I don't have to look at the fact that there's like a ticking time bomb in my life. I can pretend it's not there. Super disease behavior. And I had all of that. And, um, and I did a lot to, to pretend that my life was going okay. And it's a lot of work over the years um, to want to be received like my two old... They were both valedictorians and super, you know, like really, you know, did really well. And I wanted to be received like that. But when you're getting terrible grades and, <laughs> you know, it's just, it doesn't, you can't get that. You can't get that. And I so, I was so hurt that I wasn't getting the things that I wanted, even though I do whatever I want and I don't want to work hard. So I didn't, I didn't, there was this disconnect between if you show up and do, just do what's asked of you, then you can most likely get to the next thing you need to do. So I, I didn't understand that. I thought the rules were I do whatever I want and then and then it'll all work out. So that was my disease. And in that space, um, I couldn't hear all of you. So when they said to me in school growing up, probably they said stuff like, if you cheat, you know, probably the biggest truism of all was if you cheat, you only cheat yourself. I thought that's, that's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> like, I thought, what a ridiculous idea that they're telling me. That's like some sort of Judeo-Christian thing that they're just trying to brainwash me with. And like, I think they were right. You know, wasn't that true? If you cheat, you only cheat yourself. And, and I, that was, I, if you cheat, you will win. If you cheat, you will If you cheat, if you cheat, 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 then, and I would have things like, if they don't catch me on camera, even if they catch me on camera, I'll just deny it. Uh, you know, so this was kind of the, this is this was the head I was I was using, and 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 uh, and I'll tell you anything. For, so you, I love attention too. So if you're going to like me, um, then I would say anything. I would say anything to get you to like me. So if I had information you told me, I'd tell you that information because I found that people like knowing information. So even though the person who entrusted me, I wouldn't trust wasn't a big deal because I I wanted to be liked more. So I didn't have to play by the rules. And to me, this, what I'm talking about, reeks of addiction. And I'm not even talking, I've barely spoken about the food. I'm talking about the acting out, that we just, that, that second piece of the first step, that's, you want to know why my life is unmanageable? It's because I'm doing all these things. And at the same time, I'm, I'm gorging, right? This comes, what I describe these things out here, I'm also in extreme gluttony. Right? I am an eating machine in this. In, in, when I create this, I'm also eating away. 
eating away. You know, I, I love that Overeaters Anonymous was, was starting, and at the same time, there was Gluttons Anonymous. Wherever it is, if, if, I, I'd leave OA to go Gluttons Anonymous, because that's, that's the program. I'm a glutton. I'm a glutton in, in, the way I do, in the way I do addiction. So I was a glutton, and I, I ate like a glutton. And um, interestingly, you know, I got bigger over time. You know, it's a progressive disease. I got bigger and bigger and bigger, um, and my life got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I felt lonelier and lonelier and lonelier, and, and I can't, you know, I just trying. I can't imagine this. People stop wanting to be friends with me. <laughs> imagine that, you know, they start, you know, with all this, they, I know, I started feeling like, you know, I was losing people in my life. I kept, you know, I was on the way here, I still kept some core friends, but I found like my my life was starting to to get smaller as I was getting bigger and bigger, and, um, you know. In AA, they talk about fun and then, you know, fun plus problems and then mostly problems. So the fun stopped and then it became sort of fun and then problems started, pro- problems started creeping in, you know, and um, things were felt like they were being held by a thread in some ways. I was getting by and on paper things looked good, but I was feeling worse and, and worse and worse and I had to do something about this. And I always had these ideas of things I was going to do to... Um, to manage the disease and um, I had all good intentions of ideas of ways to control this thing and a lot of thought life went to um, what am I going to do to fix this and I, I, I but I, I didn't like to exert myself so I, I didn't have I can do these like sort of short bursts of these like you know fits and starts and bursts so I would lose some weight periodically you know throw myself into something for a couple months and then lose steam and I had like every four years, I had like a, a burst of energy, starting from like a third grade. You know, it's when I was put on my first diet. And I, it was always sort of the same. I'm into it, and then I, I, can't, I can stop, but I can't stay stopped. And, um, you know, I did what other people do. I tried, to, um, I tried to find the best programs. I tried to go to my own schooling. I used my own schooling as a platform to, I was going to think of some great study to um, cure my disease. And, um, you know, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> that, that really didn't work. And, and um, you know, that, that's, that's, that, that's the disease. And uh, with, the, with that, the headspace. I, I like to, you know, I like to tell a story about the time, you know, I found, I got a little money. So in drive throughs I got so excited. And some of you might have heard me talk about how I went to talk, at the, you know, I went to talk to the clown for the first time ordering. And I'm ordering all this stuff. And the clown said to me, you know, is that all for you? I said, what? And he said, is that all for you? You know, like, and, and I, I have my head, and it, it kind of speaks to how I did information. You know, if I'm acting out, I, 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 I'm just not seeing the world with the same glasses I do now. I don't even recognize that person. I, I don't recognize that person. So, in 1998, November 30th, I'd gone to Overeaters Anonymous once when I was in my 20s, um, in my mid-20s, uh, I went to Chicago. I thought I was better. Um, waited a few years. Um, I was in agony from the disease and uh, eating so much. And somebody, I went again. And, um, you know, it was a little better this time, but I just felt like it was like, I don't really relate to middle-aged skinny women. And, and, um, and then just before I turned 30, I was at my work. And I, I happened to work 
side by side with somebody from Alcoholics Anonymous and um, at the time. And I had, I had thought I was on a great diet, I'd lost some weight, and I had the best specialist, and I had a person helping me with exercise and acupuncture and all these things that were going to fix me. And I found myself on November 9th, 19, November 8th, 1998, um, just devouring a, a, a section of the grocery at Rouse in my car, just doing what I do, very, very fast, um, fast-paced, heavy volume eating. And, and I, 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 I thought, I, I really thought, a part of me thought that I was going to be, you know, I was going to sort of beat this thing. And, and I was deeply sad and I, I, I came to work and, I just, something in me knew that, that I, I can't beat this thing, so that I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. And the, wor- the woman from AA looked at me and she said, um, she said, you know, what's she looking at me? What's wrong? I told her, I said, I can't stop eating. And she said, okay. She said, she said a few things. The first thing that made an impression on me is she it was she instantly got on the phone and found the first meeting we can go to. She said, we're going to a meeting. Not you. I'm going to send you. We are going to a meeting. So she was sort of she an old woman with a lot of years of sobriety at the time who, um, who was like a little, you know, four foot eleven Italian woman who was just a pit bull. And she, so, so I was just, you know, I, you're my higher power. I just will, I'll do whatever you say. We're going to a meeting. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she said another thing. She said, she said, don't thank me. You're going to do this for someone else. That was the second thing that I heard. And then um, we got to the meeting, and she, you know, she's not a member of our program. She said, Adam would like to share. She raises her hand. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I shared. She said, tell them what you told me. I said, I, said, I can't stop eating. And... Um, she then shared with me, um, she said, meetings, 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 meetings. She had been to an AA convention, and the, they had like a 10-year speaker, a 20-speaker, and the 30-year speaker got up and said, meetings, 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 and sat down. <laughs> so I, I, she said, meetings, 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 meetings. And she used to say that. She said, you know, that, you know, for in her experience in that program, if you go to, people who go to meetings, stay sober. Okay, so I heard that. Um, I heard that too, and then she said, "Don't worry about anything. Just abstain. Just don't you. Ca- I don't care what you do. I'm like license to do anything else, buddy. Excellent. That doesn't work today. That that doesn't. But but then she's like, for now, just stay here and and read trashy. Just do what you got to do. Read trashy novels. Do whatever you got to do, but don't leave and, and abstain. So I couldn't. So then a few. I'm, I get there. It's November 1998, November 9th, and. I turned 30 on November 15, 1998, and I was at my in-laws' house, and they had this cake I had never had, tiramisu cake, and I, 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 I it was like, hey, we're sorry about you, we know you're on this new thing, so you can't have any. I'm like, okay, and nobody's looking, I grab a whole bunch, I stick it in my pocket, and I, 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 I walk to the bathroom, it's all over me, and um, this is like sort of the turning point for me of Overeaters Anonymous, because I got there the next day, and all the very kind people who would kill me here... Right, who would kill me, said that's okay. So many people were willing to say um, that's okay. And uh, like, kind of like if you're on your way to New York and you stop in Phoenix, and you, you know, why would you go back to LA? And thank God somebody said to me, no, that's not okay. That's drunk, my friend. That's called getting drunk on food. That's our version of getting drunk. And I heard that so clearly. 
because my I could find any reason to eat. You can I can listen to words like progress, not perfection, and say, oh, does that mean I get to eat floating fruits? Does that mean I get to eat food plans, abstinence? Oh, food plans. That's different than an abstinence. All right, does that mean I can eat? Where can I eat here? Fine, because I love to eat and I love to not care about the consequences. So somebody said to me, "You're drunk when you when you shove a piece of food in your in your in your pocket." And it gets all over your face and nobody knows. That's called getting drunk in this program. And um, so I heard that really loud and clear. And this guy's my sponsor today. And um, he said, you got to jump off the cliff. He said, that's not going to cut it. He said, you find somebody you trust, do whatever they say, but just don't do it your way. Whatever it is, don't insert yourself. Because it starts, you are your problem. You are the biggest problem you have. And your your kind of mantra of I do whatever I want is the biggest problem you have in retrospect, right? That's my disease, my self-centered condition, right? My self-preoccupied, right? I, I, my, my total preoccupation and investment with getting what I want. That's the thing that's going to kill you. So he taught me about getting sober with food and what it means to me. And um, it means that, that probably it's best if I, I know I'm not going to get hurt if I stay out of this and let other people make the decision for me, and that my biggest problem comes when I insert myself and I have my ideas about wellness. So that guy, you know, that 300-pound guy should not be allowed to vote about wellness. I, in retrospect, my vote on wellness, I'll tell you what wellness is, sticking a piece of cake in my pocket is my version of wellness. So I fired myself. <laughs> That's it. I fired myself from... This, I, I am fired. You know, the best thing I can do, I, I picture it like... I have, like, different things. I like, like the, the, the board of directors has voted out the CEO. You just have to leave the, leave the desk. You know, it's time to get out of your office. Get out. Let other people... Let, let, and there began a sort of version of a higher power, right? Step two, that to be restored to sanity, right, I have to um, acknowledge the problem, and start to believe that there's another way, there's another wellness plan, right, that's not mine. And um, to really listen carefully, I was taught, listen carefully to what recovery sounds like. Listen, it's easy to hear wellness. Listen carefully to, listen to everybody share. Listen for the recovery, right? And listen for the disease. It's not, a, not, not judgy. Just listen for things that sound like the disease. So you learn from everybody, Right? I, there's ways to learn from everybody. And they taught me to get honest, and I didn't want to do the work. So great, I understand the food problem. I turn it over. I didn't want to do the work. I didn't want to believe in a power greater than myself. I did not like the idea of you telling me about some sort of donut, and whatever that language from the AA 12 and 12. I'm like, what are you talking about, this step three? I have no, I, I couldn't begin to explain it at three years. I could not explain what... I have no idea what they were talking about. What does it mean to, to, to surrender and, and turn it over? And it's been a, a long process um, um, going through this stuff. I was very resistant to doing step work. Very resistant. Because ultimately, okay, you want to take away my food, fine. But don't take away my willfulness. Because I want to be able to act however I want. And I don't want you to take away the, my sense of what feels good. And over time, over the last 16 years, I'm so thankful that today 
I don't trust those things so much that just because I think it's going to be a feel-good, <laughs> I have the wherewithal now that I have a whole team of people who are in my life who get to weigh in on what feel, you know, your idea of a feel-good. And um, I kind of know now what it means, I think. I have a, a deeper sense, and this is the good news about this program. It always gets more interesting. I'm not bored. This is fascinating to me. I'm fascinated by the disease. I'm fascinated by your disease. I'm fascinated by my disease. I'm fascinated by the formula for wellness. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and more interesting to me what it means to turn it over, right? What does it mean to surrender today? It means that I'm very clear that if I act on impulse in this area of my life, I'm going to have pain in the other areas of my life. It's very clear, right, that I am responsible for myself. Nobody has done anything to me, right? I am responsible. Whether I have a disease, any disease I have, we're all dying, any disease I have, I am responsible to acknowledge it. That's really hard. I have to admit it. And then I am responsible, once I have awareness, I am responsible for how I show up. And if I show up in a way that's, that ignores or um, avoids or just does what I want, then I'm going to not feel good. <laughs> right? And part of the, the turning it over means that I turn it over to those principles. Right? That I know work. And it's... it's it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough, this self-centered part of me doesn't want to give that up. And more and more and more and more, I hope I'm making sense, um, I want to give up the part of myself. It's, it's just too much pain and too much, too much work. So the steps to me, um, which I've gone through a few times, I'm, I'm doing it now with a, with a, interestingly, with a therapist who's like a, who's awesome. And, um, just a yet, just because, not not you know, just because I, I want to, and um, just going through um, what is the barrier? Why am I? What do I, what is the barrier between me and this version of God that I'm talking about? I'm not clear on what God is. It changes all the time, but I definitely know it has something to do. God to me has something to do with honoring these the, the, these principles of these values, um, and that good comes from that, and that I can trust in that. Even if it's gonna, even if it's scary, I can trust in good orderly direction. And what are the barriers to me wanting to pursue that? And um, more and more, um, you know, more has been revealed over time. And uh, I'm very scared. <laughs> I get very, very scared that I'm not gonna, I'm gonna lose things or not get what I want. I get, I, that, that gets me. Um, I, I'm sensitive. I have, oh, this is a new one. I, I have, I still hold on to sort of like my 13-year-old idea of what it means to be cool and arrived and kind of like, this is, you know, poor me, I didn't get those things that I wanted as a narrative, as a storyline. That storyline, still holding on to it and more and more just shedding it, you know. And, and, and it's people I sponsor too, it's so interesting to watch when they, they sort of come to terms with, okay, I'm not like the rock star I thought I would be. Okay. You know, so so what? So now what? Right now, what do you want to do? Do you want to be like invested in the, the like you know the, the, the self pity, or do you want to do you want to see see what what this higher power thing wants? And um, this process, you know, I didn't think of this. I would never come up with this formula ever. 
I thought I was so smart I could come up with something great. I would never have come up with this surrender and, and, and what's my part in it and things like that. That would never be... In the, I would never have thought that that is, that is the road to wellness. You know, what's my part in it? You know, that, that, that sentence doesn't exist in, in, in my disease. So, how to stand up for myself, you know, how to say no, right? All these things that I've learned in the program over time and that I, I, I want to do more today than I did in the beginning because I like the feeling. I like feeling, I just, I like the feeling of, 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 of not spinning in my head. I like not waking up spinning. I like, you know, I was telling on the way here, we, I have this new job where, um, you know, it's just open, it's a busy business, and the person who sort of runs everything, the office managers, didn't show up. Week four, just no show. And, um, and you know, I saw the, you know, I saw the reactions, and, and, and the program allows me to not get leveled by that. <coughs> Like it's scary. It allows me. I can't believe it. And I can work well with others. In the program for all these years, I've had a hard time playing nicely in the sandbox. You know, I, you know, I, in the early years, I get I get into it, and 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 over the years, learning how to not so much make it about me. And I'll finish with this. Um, you know, so I, I've said this before. I, I wouldn't have hired me for a job because 16 years ago because I would have not been honorable that's not a, you don't you want to trust your employees I wouldn't have married me in a million years right I wouldn't have wanted me as a friend and that that guy and I wouldn't want me to be a parent to you and um, you know 16 years later I'd hire me I'd probably marry me <laughs> right <laughs> that one's close but but much better than I than I think I'd, I'd for I'd for sure want me to be a father um, and a friend, and that's that's because of the of what I do on a daily basis. Is I I go to five meetings a week. I wake up. I meditate. I meditate twice a day. Um, I write every day except one day. I one day a week I don't write. I talk to. I call my sponsor every day, um, and usually leave a message. But I call him and sort of check in, and I send my writing to him every day. People usually call me every day, and um, on, I, I, on Sundays we have a big fellowship of men meeting, and, and that's uh, sort of designed for people I sponsor or people they sponsor, where we talk about, you know, just sort of a like-minded approach to to working the program and what it means to be sober with food, and sort of really I keep refining that. I take my food, the food business. I don't, I don't mess around with the food. It's pretty clear. This is what I can eat. I don't, I don't ever play games with that, and, and um, I take that really seriously because I, I know that I don't want to invite crazy. Um, on Thanksgiving, I got it cleared for a... I got an item cleared for the meal, and you know it's a problem when you're still thinking about it like three days later, right? So it's gone. That's it. Never again. I'm out. I don't want it. I don't want that. I didn't eat more from it. It didn't. I just don't want that crazy. So the food piece is really serious. And um, thank God I, I have a life today. You know, I have a life. The, 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 the path I was on in the disease, I, I, I would never be able to be, be sharing um, this sort of experience, strength, and hope with you. So I'm very grateful. And uh, thank you for letting me share.
so the question is, how has my relationship with my family changed, and, and, and what did the amends process look like? Uh, it's a good question. You know, I was so triggered. Um, I grew up in a religious home, and kind of what the message I heard was, you're only okay if you're like those people. Um, whatever, you know, my parents or my family's vision of, of, of being on my game was. So, of course, I was exactly the opposite of those people, but I wanted you to appreciate me, and I sort of... Um, I felt like with my family for years, um, and that this is after, like, early amends, I felt like I was just so... Um, reactive and sensitive so every time and I'm very involved with my family very good people but when I would go to their when I'd spend time with them I was just so triggered and um, the last ninth step I did I, I wrote letters where you know I was told write a letter and let them have their experience and I wrote about um, a po- you know I, I found myself sort of being very critical of everything and looking for opportunities to um dismiss and be critical of everything that they believe in and I took responsibility for that and that I acknowledge that my guard is up and I want to find opportunities to to sort of smash whatever that whatever model of life they believe in and um, I took responsibility for that I owned it I own my part in it and um, I and it took that like that and and um, I, I I wasn't aware even as I did the steps like the first I wasn't so aware of how affected I was being around family in terms of um, feeling put down I felt put down and um, when I did that you know this last time it was about a year and a half ago since then maybe a year ago um, I can I, I don't have that experience of everybody gets to have their beliefs and even if I'm sort of being um, recruited on the other side I, I'm pretty comfortable in, in, in what I do so I, I'm not as triggered nearly as much anymore so the question is what is my abstinence and food plan and has it changed over the years so the good news about the program is that if they, they nobody told me as you get older you have to eat less because I would have left <laughs> so I eat much less now than when I started abstinence and food plan is a, is a for me a, this compulsive overeater it's very tricky does that if I have an abstinence that's my sobriety of food my food plan is kind of what does that mean I get to eat in a, does that mean I get to eat more if I have a food plan and an abstinence so for me it just sounds um, it's confusing and it invited the disease for me when I hear this food plan concept. So it means abstinence means I get to mostly behave. Food plans means I sometimes get to act out. So I sort of pack, I was taught to make them one thing, just what does it mean to be sober with food? So what it means for me to be sober with food is I take direction around what's good for me and what's not, when I can eat, how much I can eat, and um, what types of food I can eat. And um, it's pretty boring, right? It's the same old boring thing. It's not, uh, it's, you know, the, the, you know, sometimes I get a you know, a cool-looking omelet with some vegetables and, you know, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and salads of different variety. I love food. I love, like, vegetables. I get so excited about vegetables and fish dishes that are new, and um, that's, you know, that there's some good new fruits that are baked or whatever. Wow, you know, and that's, that's about it. You know, like, that happens three times a day. I get a snack, and the snacks got smaller and smaller. The meals got smaller over time, and... And it's okay, you know, it's okay, but it's nothing, um, you know, it's nothing like a guy, it's not the same food the guy who was 300 pounds was eating.
The question is, can I describe my meditation practice? Um, I, t- have a te- I go to a class for it, and I have a teacher, and it's really important. Um, when I first came to program, I said, oh, I, you know, like things like when they would talk about writing, I'd say things like, where does it say that in the big book? Who's writing every day? Who got, like, <laughs> you know, like, show me that. Or like, you know, we have to love our amends to ourselves. Which, where does it say that in the big book? You know, and like meditation, they're not really clear. You can just read something and think about it. That was my early, <laughs> you know, that was my, that was my early meditation. Um, and, um, you know, so now it, it's evolved where when, you know, over the... I saw a guy in AA, and he was so angry. He was so angry. He looked so angry all the time, and then he stopped being angry. And I, I watched him for, like, two years. And I said, what happened to you? He said, I meditated with... So he went to this class. So I went to the same class, and um, it's a two-time-a-day sort of mantra thing. And um, it's... Uh, and. I just, I, you know, I really connected to it. But it's not part of our program, but um, I just find that, you know, like so many people in the program, I think that we have to enlarge our spiritual lives and it's sort of what, what I found. So the question is, um, my higher power early on was um, just the, the group, basically, or the people doing stuff, and um, how has it evolved, and what is my higher power today? And I, I don't think I can ever explain what God is. I, it's too too much for me. Um, sometimes it's still the group. Sometimes it still is. I just I know for sure I can't do it alone. I need the power of our readers anonymous. Um, more often now, it's it's about a sort of inter. You know, I think that God lives within me and all of us, and that that there's far more than I'm aware of. And at, you know, in this bigger consciousness, lives God and 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 some sort of evolution that I'm a part of, but I I have no idea. I just I have no idea what God is. I just know that I better be do, using words like seeking <laughs> and coming to believe. Right? That like it, it just means I have to show up to it, and and that's as you know that's as much God as I'm ever going to confirm. Right? Is is pursuing. So the question is, how do I deal with my food plan when I go to? Uh, other restaurants that people choose. So that would be how do I deal with my food family when I go to a wedding where I don't know what the food is going to be and so forth. So the rule for me is I don't have, there's no rule that I have to eat there. So just because I, alcoholics don't have to drink at weddings, everybody's drinking. When they're all toasting, alcoholics don't have to toast. So I don't have to eat just because um, food is being served. So in the United States of America, there is always an alternative. I mean, I've been in other continents, and there's always been... I've been in backpacking, where there's no alternatives, and I, and, and I have alternatives. So there's... Meaning I brought, and I, I take care of myself. So I, I don't have to... Just because I'm somewhere, I get to say no. I get to say, oh, you know, you, I check it out. You don't have what I need, so I'm not going to eat. And I haven't died from that yet <laughs> I haven't died from that yet it's disappointing it's so sad sometimes when, <laughs> you know, so sad when everybody and I, I just not participating and, and like oh man and you thought I thought it was going to be one way and it's another but I, I leave in the middle and I come back um, and I, I, I think this idea of you know we have to be joined and, and it, not if it's going to activate my disease you know, my disease, protecting my sobriety with food comes first no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. So there is no party or no assembly of anything that invites the disease. The disease isn't welcome anywhere. So um, 
it works. Sometimes it's disappointing. It sucks when I fly for like 20 hours and I'm, everybody's getting a meal and my soggy whatever is sitting there that I've kept out. But or I just you know, but, but you know it's it's not the norm, so I get over it. Have I ever had a problem with anger um, and emotionality in the disease? I think that I had to find my voice a little bit um, because I was sideways more. So my acting out, my anger was more passive aggressive. So for a long time in the program, I had to sort of speak up. I learned how to speak up here, and I learned how to tone it down here too. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I, I had to sort of say I, my shares were like I would say things from the podium, like like when I get up to share. <laughs> what else I'd say like this is about portion control, you know, like, stop sharing every week, you know, like, you know, I'd, you know, I'd, I, you know, like, I, you know, you know, like, we don't have to hear you all the time, and, and stop, you know, like, so, I think I've learned that that program is not a program of attraction, and that, I don't really, it's okay if you gotta do, if you gotta do what you gotta do, it just took time that, that, that if I just come from, I'll finish with this, if I just come from a place of truth, and of what works for me, that's good enough. And it doesn't really matter what you do. And uh, I'm more anxious of the anxious variety. And um, and that's the thing over time that's definitely gone down as I as I clean up my act. Thanks for letting me share.